I was at a conference this past couple of days, uh, from Monday to Thursday. Uh, Sue and I were in Phoenix, Arizona, at a Messianic, a Phoenix, a couple of claps. Yay for Phoenix. Okay, so we were in Phoenix at a Messianic Jewish rabbis conference, and it was really the best conference I've ever been to. Like, it's, I've been to various Messianic conferences, whether it's for the full population, whether it's a rabbi's conference, this really was the best one. And I have to say it was the best because everybody was just real. There was no pretense or artifice. It was just people being real. And, you know, I, I felt that a lot of people, a lot of congregations, a lot of leaders really struggled through the season of COVID. They either lost people who went on to be with the Lord, they lost people because of division in the congregation, because, you know, wait, wait, what, there aren't enough masks, and we've had too much mask, and we want to only mask a little bit. We only the people in the front row need to be wearing masks. People, why are you telling me to wear a mask? I'm in the back row, you know, and then, and then why do I have to, then you're telling me that I get to be vaccinated, then what about the vaccinated and the unvaccinated? And all these things are causing a lot of division, apparently, in a lot of congregations, and a lot of rabbis just came to this conference very broken and tired and honest and just wanting the edification and the comfort from being around the people of God. It reminds me of a verse from our Torah portion, which said, seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. Nice. Jacob was on his way from one place to another. In fact, he was leaving his uncle Laban, Lavan in Hebrew, Laban, and he was going from there to the land of his fathers, going back home. But between there and there, or here and there, he had to encounter his brother Esau, who he had a lot of challenge with, and he had to reconcile with Esau, and when he received unmerited favor and kindness from Esau, he said, seeing your face is like seeing the face of God. And it reminds me that that is our portion and that is our directive from God. You know, Yeshua said in one place that you've seen me, you've seen the Father. But I believe that that is our directive as well, to reveal God to people. Yes. When we are out, when we are with people, now it doesn't happen all the time, but I do believe that our, our mandate is for people to be reconciled to God. And when they see us, when they encounter us, it's like seeing God. It's like being reconciled to God. In fact, Paul spoke about the reconciliation. He said in one place that we were given the ministry, the word of reconciliation. Because God, through Messiah, redeemed the world back to himself, it says. And now we are given the ministry of reconciliation mm -hmm. so people can experience and find God mm -hmm. 
And when there is reconciliation, there is a separation. If there wasn't a separation, there would be no need for a reconciliation. Reconciliation brings two people together that were otherwise separated. And God and mankind were separated, but for, for the work of Yeshua, dying for us, humanity is reconciled. The separation is no more. That's what reconciliation is. And I felt that these rabbis just needed a little bit of reconciliation. They needed a little bit of love. And it was there. And it was raw. And it was honest. And there were tears. And I really never experienced that. Because sometimes you go to these conferences and it's almost like a promotional event. So everybody's got their smiles on. But this congregation, I'm sorry, this world, this generation, they don't need plastic smiles. They need real. We need real. We need to understand that life is not all a bowl of cherries. <laughs> Sometimes life is rough and we need to be understood that way. And we need to see people that are crying to tell us that it's okay to cry. We need to see people that are wrestling and struggling so we know that it's just okay to wrestle and struggle. There is a reason why Jacob was renamed Israel, which means wrestler with God and with man. It's because that's kind of all of our portion. We struggle and we wrestle. And we question and we try to figure this thing out. So it's a blessing to be around people who are just broken enough to be real. And sometimes it takes brokenness for us to be honest. It was a blessing to sit around the table and talk about the issues of the world, like vax and unvax and things like that, and have differences of opinion, and then come together at night and hold hands and worship to Joshua Herman or Paul Wilbur. Because that's not around enough at all. Because a lot of the issues of the world cause a lot of division. And, I, you know, I talk a lot about social media and the impact it has, but social media is not conversation. Social media is people going on their soapbox. Mm -hmm. This is what I believe. That's right. And it's, it doesn't foster real conversation. It says, well, this is my first one. Go with the first slide. This is from Proverbs. Fools find no pleasure in understanding, but delight in airing their own opinions. Now, what does that sound like? Does that sound like today? <laughs> this is how it is, because when there's, when there's strong feeling and strong statement, but there's no proximity with people, it's just a noise. And I think a lot of these rabbis experienced a lot of the noise and a lot of the division and not climbing symbols, and it turned into that because there's no proximity. Because in the written word, there's, you don't see tears when people are talking. You don't really, see, you don't feel the emotion. You don't know what they're really the intent of what they're saying is. So I have to say, it was a blessing to sit around the table where people had varying opinions about these types of subjects, and nobody was offended. How do you like that? 
we like. And maybe people are just broken enough and tired enough to say, I don't want to be offended. Mm -hmm. I don't care if we agree or disagree about something like that. I just want to love you and love God. See, the world is, is there's a spirit of division in this world. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, that's the worst virus, yep. Kathy, than COVID. It's a worse fight. The virus of division is worse than COVID. It really is. And I really think that's what the enemy is doing through all this stuff. He's like putting things that could potentially divide us by various, you know, thoughts and, and beliefs and, and strong feelings about certain things. And, you know, the opposite of division is unity. And unity is an amazing thing. But there's a step between division and unity. Yeah. And that step is reconciliation. And I believe that God wants us to reconcile. I'm moved by that. I am charged by that. Believe me, there are people I want to reconcile with. There are people that have left here that I don't speak to anymore. That I still have a lot of love for. And they could have left for a myriad of reasons. We're not Jewish enough. We're too Jewish. <laughs> we got too much Jewish liturgy. We don't have enough Jewish liturgy. I'm too loud. I'm not loud enough. We do too many Christian songs and not enough Hebrew songs. We do too many Hebrew songs and not enough Christian songs. <laughs> You list a myriad of reasons why people have left the congregation. But I want to reconcile. You know, there's an amazing, yeah, that's a good verse. But I already spoke about that one, so you can continue. Yeah, first be reconciled to your brother and then come and present your offering. Isn't that crazy? Like, this is a, these are people that want to, like, go before God. Do you understand that, like, it's not just giving an offering like we do in, like, congregations today. Like, people hand around the, 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 the basket or the, the little thing to put your little money in. Or even how we do it when people come up. Back in those days, when people gave their offering, that means they were coming into the temple. They were coming into the tabernacle or the temple. This was communion with God. Giving an offering wasn't just a, like giving a, a, a donation. This was worship. And Yeshua is saying, hold it back if you're not reconciled with your brother. Hold it back. Do that first. Prioritize. How can God tell us to prioritize our relationships down here before him? It's, it doesn't even make sense. But he's saying, before you give your offering, go and reconcile. Go and reconcile. This is how important I believe it is to God. I mean, is there anybody in your history that you feel like, you know what? We're separated. The, the, the bond, the relationship has been cut. I still love the person. I don't mean like a Superficial love, even a romantic love. I'm not even saying that. I'm saying like heartfelt love. I'm saying a connection. But the relationship is dissolved. 
maybe God is saying to reconcile because it's important to God. There's one thing we can continue. Listen to this. So let me just explain the story with Jacob and Esau for those that don't know. So Jacob and Esau were twin brothers. And they were wrestling all the way back into the womb. So if you think you have a problem with somebody, it's not as bad as theirs. Okay? So they were wrestling and fighting all the way since the womb. And then Jacob took away his blessing. And Esau was just so upset with him. Esau said, once dad dies, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to kill him. So Jacob fled. His mother said, you get out of here. I don't want to lose you. Go. Go find yourself a wife or four. <laughs> and have a kid or two or twelve. You know? And go. Because this guy, your brother's going to kill you. And he really was going to kill him. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, the scripture shifts to Jacob and his life. His life with Laban. His life with his wives and concubines and all his kids and things like that. And all that craziness and dysfunction that he experienced there in the house of Laban. Twenty years he was there. And then the Lord says, it's time to go back. But the thing that always moved me is that the place between where he was with Laban and where he was going to, which is the house of his fathers, which represents going back to God, there was this little mountain, a mountain, which is where this brother lived. And he couldn't go around it. This has always moved me. In order to get from where he was, to get to where he needs to be in the house of his father, he needed to go into the territory of the one who he thought wants to kill him. He couldn't avoid it. He couldn't go around it. Isn't there a hiking trail around this mountain? Isn't there a way to go? Can't I like get into a boat in the desert and like to sail around the mountain? No, he had to go through it. Strange. It happened to be where Esau was. And he had to experience it. And he was scared about it. Now Esau, if we remember, Jacob went in to, to his father, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Jacob went into his father Isaac to receive a blessing and he pretended to be Esau. And Isaac spoke the blessing over him, the first word blessing over him, gave an amazing blessing. And then here comes Esau later, what the? <laughs> I'm ready for my blessing. <laughs> right? And Jake and Isaac was like, I can't give you a blessing. I already gave it to your brother. And then and Esau is just wailing. No. <laughs> I am your father. <laughs> that kind of, of wailing. And he said, Dad, do you have any blessing for me? Get anything. Get any blessing for me. And he gave pretty much the opposite blessing. You know, you're not going to be away from the land. And you're, you're going to serve your brother. But time will come when you become restless that you will break his yoke from your neck. This is what he told Esau. The time is going to come. You're going to serve your, your brother, your younger brother. You're going to serve him. The older will serve the younger. You will serve him. But there will be a time when you become restless, when you break his yoke from your neck. Now, when was this fulfilled? Well, if you go into the book of 2 Kings, there was a time where Esau, Edom, won a war against Israel. And it says, literally at that point, thus Edom broke off from Israel. 
That's a literal fulfillment of it. But really, what happened? 20 years, we see Jacob with Laban. We don't see anything about Esau in that entire passage. 20 years go by, not a word about this guy Esau. Not a word. Now it's time for Jacob to encounter him again. And of course, of course he thought that Esau was the same Esau that he was 20 years ago. And still had the assignment to kill him. Why would anybody change? But something must have happened to Esau over 20 years. Something happened in his heart. I don't know what it was. We don't see anything in scripture about the life of Esau. But by the time he encounters him again, Esau forgave him. And could it be that it was the forgiveness that he had for his brother, which was breaking the yoke off of his neck? Do you hear what I'm saying? So good. Could it be that the yoke that you feel on your neck is unforgiveness? Could it be that the fulfillment of the prophecy given to Esau, that he was going to one day break this yoke, this weight, this heaviness of his brother, and be free from it? Could it be that the fulfillment of that had nothing to do with a military conquest, but it had to do with his forgiveness for what he did? And could it be that the yoke on your neck over the one that hurt you is not you winning him in an argument or unfriending him on Facebook or doing anything like that or separating yourself, but maybe the yoke departs when there's forgiveness? Maybe there are people that feel maybe that you still hate them. Maybe there was a misunderstanding sometime in your past, sometime in your life, sometime in your journey with somebody who you are no longer journeying with. Is it possible that there's somebody out there that thinks, Carrie still hates me? Or Karen still hates me? Peter hates nobody. I, uh, I don't hate anybody because I'm a well-loved man. <laughs> 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 Everyone loves Peter and I love him back. <laughs> Peter's the only one that answers this way. Peter, who's the greatest? Hey! <laughs> who's the greatest? Hey! <laughs> Could it be that there's somebody that's waiting to reconcile with you? Could it be that somebody that misunderstands you? Now, I'm not saying go out and see people right now that, you know, that... But the Lord can orchestrate these things, just like he orchestrated it with Jacob and Esau. Maybe there's a point in time where that mountain, that mountain will be in front of you. And you can't avoid it. And if that happens, don't avoid it. You know, Jacob was a little wuss. Put everybody in front of him, you know what I mean? So everybody else can die before him. You know, don't do that. But even though he did that, God had reconciliation in mind and healing for Jacob. And Jacob said to Esau, seeing you is like seeing the face of God. Why would he say that? He said it because he received grace and forgiveness. Is there somebody out there? I see the face of God if they receive grace from you. Maybe there's somebody out there that you need to see God through somebody else. You know, there was this time when 
Susie and I, before we moved to Rhode Island, we were in a Messianic Jewish congregation in New Jersey. And we served there for 11 years. As I accepted the Lord there. I became an elder. Susie and I were the worship team director. I did everything. I did the announcement sheets. When there was such a thing. And I burnt out a little bit, and I didn't realize I was burnt out. And then Susie started to burn out on my behalf. And all I can say is that when we left that congregation in New Jersey, now I think a lot of people unfortunately have the situation. You know what, maybe these are the types of reconciliations that God wants to have because it's within the body. But we left that congregation in New Jersey, and it wasn't a good split. Anybody ever had that experience where you left a church and it wasn't pretty? Maybe you had good relationship with the pastor there, but no more. <laughs> or whatever happened. Yeah. Whatever happened. Mm. I think maybe one or two of you might relate to that. So all I can say is we left the congregation in New Jersey and it was really hard and it was really hurtful and it was damaging to all parties. We felt hurt. Believe me, Rabbi Jan and Marlene felt hurt. It was hurtful all around. And a very strong relationship that we had. But I served under him for a lot of years. It was mm. cut. So all of a sudden, about three years after we left, so we were here in Rhode Island for like three years, and we were at, yeah, a rabbi's conference. Another one. It was in Florida this time. So we're at a rabbi's conference, and we were helping with the praise and worship. So stay with me with the with story here. So we were helping with the praise and worship in this rabbi's conference, right? We were doing the praise and worship. And it was almost time to rehearse. And I am up in the hotel room taking a nap. Because I never met an afternoon nap that I didn't like. <laughs> Amen. And I encourage everyone to have one. It's a really good part of living a healthful life. Nice afternoon nap. Right now. So I was having my afternoon nap in the hotel room. And all of a sudden, Susie goes, my wife, Sue, goes, Get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. And I'm like, what? Like, why why are you waking me up? We have to go and practice right now. And I looked at the clock, and we had about like five hours before we really needed some practice. And I'm like, Sue, we don't have to practice. Now we've got plenty of time. I need my nap. I need my beauty rest. Can't you tell? So, went back to sleep. A few minutes later, she's screaming, get up, get up, get up. And I assure you, and I would tell you this, if she was sitting with, with us today, that... Our life is exactly the opposite. I'm always the one rushing her out, and she's the last minute one. That's how we do. That's how we roll together. I'm always the one saying, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this time it was entirely the opposite. She's like pulling me out of the bed saying, we gotta go, we gotta go, we gotta go. I had no idea why. It didn't even make logical sense. So I said, okay, fine, get up. We go downstairs, so we go to the place where we were supposed to work, practice. Nobody's there because it was too early. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, in comes Marlene, the rabbi's wife, who we were not reconciled with. The ones that we served under for all those years. All of a sudden, here she comes. We had no idea Esau's mountain was down there. But there we were, unexpectedly on Esau's mountain. And here comes Esau. 
You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So we had some small talk. And Susie invited her to worship with us that night. Why don't you join us on the stage and worship with us? Because we she was also part of the worship team at the other congregation. And she said, sure. So she came up and worshiped with us that night, like old times. Every bit of animosity and hurt and strain was gone in a moment. In a moment. It just wasn't there. It was all the memories I had of the hurt Sue, nor could Revinson Maureen, nor could Rabbi Jan Rosenberg. It was just gone. We went out to dinner that night. Laughed, laughed, laughed. Reconciliation happened. So could it be? wants us to reconcile. Could it be? Could it be that there's someone that God's planning a Jacob and Esau moment for a moment of reconciliation? If that's the case, don't harden your heart. Allow it to be. It's extremely important to God. Reconciliation comes before unity. And I'll close with this little revelation, which I just found in this Torah so for those who understand the Jewish biblical holidays, the last holiday in the whole cycle is Sukkot. We celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Tabernacles is a holiday of unity. It's all the tribes coming together and worshiping together around the throne. Everybody coming together. All the tribes, with all their differences, coming together and worshiping around the throne. That's Sukkot. Just before Sukkot, is the Day of Atonement. Mm -hmm. Five days before. That's the holiday of reconciliation with God. The reconciliation happens before Sukkot. The holiday of reconciliation, of forgiveness and reconciliation, of repaired relationship happens, and then we celebrate Sukkot. After Jacob and Esau had their moment of reconciliation, the verse says, this is the verse right after it. So Esau returned that day on his way to see here, but Jacob journeyed to Sukkot. Apparently I'm the only one that thinks that's really cool and really <laughs> prophetic. That after his reconciliation, one verse after his reconciliation, he goes to a place called Sukkot. Hello, place of celebration and unity and worship. He was able to go there after the relationship was reconciled. This is a foreshadow, a prophetic picture. Mm -hmm. It's a prophetic picture of the Jewish people being reconciled to their brother Yeshua and then celebrating. Yes. And it's a prophetic picture of any reconciliation and repaired relationship that needs to happen because it comes before the time of our rejoicing at Sukkot. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of revelation in this. Now remember where we were. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, but Jacob journeyed to Sukkot. 
They went in two different directions. They reconciled, but they went in two different directions. What is that teaching us? It means that even if you reconcile, it doesn't mean you not walk together. Exactly. It doesn't. Right. You can still go your separate paths. Right. Reconciliation is a heart issue, a spiritual issue. It doesn't mean you gotta kind of go walk side by side, but it means that the hurt is lifted. So, Father, I just pray for everyone here. There is a weight and yoke on their shoulders that needs to be lifted. Father, we learned from this Torah portion, we learned today, Lord God, that the weight that's lifted is not through a military conquest, but it's through forgiveness. And it's through reconciliation. And you say how good and how pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. And it says in the Psalms that the dew from Mount Hermon descends upon Mount Zion. That's the, the dew from one mountain that saturates another. How good and pleasant it is for brothers to dwell together in unity. If there is an opportunity, Father, for all of us, for reconciliation, for reparation, for repairing the breach, we want to be available, Lord God. We know sometimes when we're going from here to there, you put that Mount Sierra right between us. And we gotta go up it. And we gotta walk it. Father, help us to see people like Esau, who after 20 years changed. He had a heart change. We don't know why. We don't know how. We don't know what his walk was in those 20 years where we hear nothing. But he changed. Allow us out of that to think the best of people. And even if they hurt us in the past, they changed. Help us to. Assume that. Assume the best in people. And the other thing I want to say is one thing I learned at this conference that we went to this past, past couple, a couple days ago in Phoenix. Yay for Phoenix. Yay. <laughs> it was pretty somber because a lot of the rabbis are a little older at this point, and there was this attitude from all the rabbis saying, hey guys, let's just be real here. In like 20 years, most of us are going to be dead. And uh, what's going to happen to our little Messianic Jewish movement if in 20 years we're all dead and we haven't handed off the reins to a younger generation? So that, that was there a lot. <laughs> in fact, the worst part of the conference, to be honest with you, is that the MC of the conference, who worked for Jewish Voice Ministries, um, same group where Rabbi uh, Zimmerman, who was here a few weeks ago, his, his ministry, his group. Anyway, the MC was there, and he wanted the younger generation to thank the older generation. So we had the older generation sitting, and the younger generation standing and clapping, like giving them like a giving the Lord an offering of thanks for the older generation. Nice. Except that the older generation was, he said, anybody over 50, stay down. <laughs> Which means that I had to sit. So that was the worst part of the conference for me, that I was part of the older crowd. That was <laughs> I don't feel that old. I think 50 is the new... 30. 30. 30. That's my story, and I'm sticking with it. And I keep trying to tell all these old rabbis, you know, 70 is the new 50, so hang in there. <laughs> Anyway, all I'm saying is that 
mortality and saying, you know, we're not going to be here forever. What are we going to do? Right. It, um, it enabled them to focus on what's important in our walk with God. Mm-hmm. And that is being a vessel for reconciliation for people. For people to reconcile with God. Right. And one thing they want to do instill in us is that when you're out in the world, don't forget who you are. Don't forget who lives inside of you. Don't forget that relationships form often so they can see God through you and be reconciled to God. And don't forget that, because if we forget it, we will miss the opportunities when they show up, when we think we're talking to the gas station attendant or the guy that's fixing our car or the waiter or the waitress or the mailman or the person who's fixing our air conditioner. And we just view them as they are. But it says in one place in Scripture that we don't view anybody in the, in the flesh anymore. Right. We even view Yeshua in the flesh, but no more. Right. So we don't view anybody in the flesh. So remember that. And remember that you are a minister of reconciliation. Perhaps the person before you, whatever it is, might need to be reconciled with God. Right. And they're before you for a reason. Right. And that was a reminder, a strong reminder in this conference. So I want to bring that forward for us to be reminded of that. Can you show his name?